Today, we are talking all about charging what you're worth. How much do you charge? How do you explain it to clients? How do you not undercharge? And ultimately, how do you have the conversation with a prospect if they are being overcharged and you want to make sure you're showing your value and also help win that business? Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurst, Jim Martin and Greg Gonzalez. Hey, my name is Jim Martin. I'm joined by financial advisor extraordinaires, Greg Gonzalez and Brad Warhorse. Gentlemen, welcome into the podcast. We haven't done this for a while, so it's, it's awesome to be sitting down with you guys having this conversation today. So let's do some catch up on your businesses on the start to the year before we dive right into the topic. Greg, we'll go to you because your picture is next to mine. How is your year going so far? Knock on wood, Jim. Uh, this is this is the best start I think I've ever had in the business uh, in a year, anyway. So it's it's here we are in February, and man, we're we're busier than ever. It's going great, going great. What do you attribute that to? Yeah, I I don't know if it's if it's just activity, uh, consistent activity as as far as uh, our you know working out our marketing plan and reaching out to clients, and I think maybe just the maybe the maturity of the business. And getting your name out there, getting our names out there, and a lot of referrals are coming in and phone calls and emails. And the more people that you're on their mind, the more business you're going to get. Yeah, I love it. Congratulations on your your quick start to the year. That's that's terrific. And I, I think you know, we were pre-gaming before this, having a conversation, and the business does get easier after a while. Eventually, it never gets on autopilot, but boy, it certainly gets easier to bring assets in as you as you actually have an established business. Brad, how about you? How's your you've got some big news. Your your year is off to a killer start. So talk about that. Yeah, it is off to a killer start. Uh first off, I want to say, can we make a note for season three? Let's not take our break over the holidays and then start back up during tax time. That seems like maybe we'll do differently next year. Yeah, logistically not <laughs> the best move, right? We promise you guys we don't script or plan anything, and this should be pretty good evidence of it. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, my big news actually is going pretty well. Maybe I'll tell you the story uh, sometime, but uh, looks like Full Steam Ahead should have uh, an office opening in uh, southwest Florida by summertime. So That's just awesome. got about a week ago. Scoped out, uh, scoped out office space and and territory and even a place to live. So going to be a multi-state operation later this year. Is there year. a campground? That's fantastic. Campground, uh, you can stay in down there or what? You know what, Greg? There might be, but I didn't find one. <laughs> I'm sure there is, but I won't be going to it. <laughs> no, you have a, a lovely place to live on the water, and we're all excited to check that out personally. So that's exciting stuff. Listen, um, let's do this. We'll do a later this year. We'll do a live when when we do that trip. Uh, we'll do a live and maybe uh, air it video wise from from the new spot. I like that. I How's actually that? think it'd be really cool. Why don't we do this? Why don't we while we're out there? Why don't we plan to do a live mastermind and bring some people in who uh, who want to be part of it? So. We can we can do a two day kind of mastermind event and then um, we'll go out on the boat. Yeah, perfect. 
By the way, just so you know, like I'm just hearing this for the first time too. That's not scripted either, guys. (laughs) Sorry, Brad. We're we're all everybody who listens to the show is gonna come and crash at your place and jump on your boat. Okay, Good. but we'll work that out. We'll have some details. Maybe uh, maybe in the fall as the temperatures cool down in sunny Florida, we can do that. So, there we go. yeah, good stuff, guys. Congratulations on your success. Uh, my business, I'm off to a slow start this year. I was effectively out of pocket for 12 to 14 weeks. We slowed because I had some surgery done. I slowed down marketing a huge way uh, to plan for that. Then I was out recovering, and now I'm back. And it's difficult to get that momentum back, but but we're getting there and we're having a by all accounts, we're having a good year, but not a great year like we've clocked the last couple of years. But there is a lot of time left in this year, and we're gonna be working on our marketing plan and um and hitting our goals. I will not stop until I do that. So excited for that. But let's just jump right into fees. You know, we have this fee debate, and I've heard this fee debate argued all the time. I see it in message boards and forums where people talk about fees and they're really not confused, but there's, they're all over the board on what you should charge, how you should charge. And there's a lot of reasons why people undercharge. Now, obviously some folks do overcharge for their services. We're not going to get into that today. I want to talk about people that actually undercharge for financial services. And then I want to talk about the impact they have because it can cost you millions of dollars over the life of your, your business. And I think there's three reasons why people ultimately overcharge. And I want to get your feedback on each of these. Reason number one, I think it's a conscious business decision for certain people. They've made a decision that they're going to undercut the market to win business. Now, I don't think that's a great business model, but it is certainly a viable business model. We see it happen with discount airlines, discount hotels. It is something that's out there and it's a viable business model. The second reason people tend to undercut their business is they have guilt. They either inherited a business or kind of walked into it and they feel guilty for the amount of business or amount of income they're earning. And they just don't feel right charging a certain amount. And it's usually a lot of head trash because they didn't go out and grind and earn the business along the way. And then the third reason that's out there that I think is probably the most prevalent as we kind of look over the bow of financial advisors is people undercharge because they don't know any better. Like when they first, when we first start, we don't know a lot. So we, maybe we charge half a percent or 1%, but advisors tend to get better over time. We have more infrastructure and more knowledge. And all of a sudden we're 10 years in and we actually know a lot more, but people are charging what they charged the first day they started, which doesn't make any sense. You know, LeBron James professional contract got larger over time because it got to be a better basketball player. Right? So that's kind of the question mark for those folks. So let's talk about the first one right now. Let's uh, we'll go to Greg and Brad and get their thoughts. Look, if you're um if you're making a conscious business decision to win on fees, you guys think that's a, a viable choice, a good choice? What do you what how do you feel about that? I think if if you're trying to say, okay, I'm gonna undercut the competition and and try to win on cost, then you're gonna have to make it up in volume. And and you have to say, okay, well, if, if I'm gonna do that, how am I gonna you might have to have a bigger team? Um, or you're going to have to say, well, gosh, you know, we only do portfolio management. We have to, we, you have to kind of cut back somewhere and it, it might not be, you know, full, full blown, you know, financial planning or retirement planning, whatever you're doing. So undercutting the competition on, based on cost and, and making cost your competitive advantage, that, that might work, but you might have to, you know, scale back the services that you offer, um, to me, that's not that 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 has never been in my um, that's not been my mindset all along. But I'm interested to hear what Brad says. 
not that interested because my answer is the same. <laughs> no, I mean, it's obviously a viable business model. There's discounters in every industry. Um, I'm not sure it's a business model that anyone on this podcast or anyone listening probably wants to go to. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think you guys hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I was in the industry conference last year and on stage, they, they put three advisors up on stage and two of them were really interesting. But the, the third one they put up was a guy that grew really quick, but he was charging half a percent in Florida. So his marketing plan was to charge half a percent. But you know, at the end of the day, if you're charging half as much as your competitors, to Greg's point, you're you're going to have to do a huge volume, and then your services are going to suffer on the back end of that. So w- when somebody calls Brad's office or somebody calls Greg's office, they get somebody that answers the phone and answers their question, and they're available for them during business hours all the time. But somebody that's charging half as much, probably not. So I think it's a viable model. I think the challenge that people run into is that they do it at different points. So for Fred, they charge 50 bips because they want to win the business. But for Mike, they charge 1%. And they never can keep track of that. So they run this like, they, they don't know who they are. They're running a half a discount business and a half a full service business, and then trying to pi- apply mediocre service to everybody. So for me, I think if you're going to do it, do it. Like if that's, your, if that's what you want to do is do a volume discount model where you charge 50 bips or 25 bips, whatever that number is, then I think that's where you go all in. But the idea that you're going to just systematically, or maybe not even systematically, just randomly uh, apply discounted fees to people because you're trying to undercut and win the business. I don't think it's ethical necessarily either because your clients are all paying different rates to get the same expected service. And it's probably confusing because you have, you know, if you're an RIA, you're going to have all kinds of different fee schedules and billing schedules. That's probably not an issue on the broker dealer side. For you guys, is do you think there's any conflict of interest if if you have client A who you charge one and client B who you charge 50 bips and you provide the exact same service, the exact same model, everything's the same except the fee? How do you feel about that? You know, I always thought that was a cop-out answer from people. Like, it's not anybody's business what I charge Bob or Mary. But, like, I still, I wouldn't use that as my reason. I would have more conviction in my reason. I would do just what a home builder would do or anyone else. I would say, I offer a premium product. This is the price. And I understand if that's not what you're in the market for or some version of that. Another thing I would point out on the fee structures, a lot of times when fees come up, like whenever I've been asked about matching a fee or something like that before I've even seen it, almost universally like, uh, sure, I'll match your all-in fee. If you want me to, I'll match your all-in fee. Nope, no question. I'll even take 10% off of it. Because I, especially if I know where they're coming from, like when I show them the all-in fee, um, a lot of times that takes the uh, what's your fee conversation in a different direction. Sure. Yeah, because you're probably less all, all in anyway. Right. And actually, Jim, I really like one of your uh, one of your methods to get people to realize they're all in all in fee. So when the time's right, I'll let you I'll let you share it with everyone. Sure. Yeah. Greg, any thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, it's it's kind of you know for. So you're, you're setting the price at the beginning of the relationship. That's what people have to remember. For certain prospects, they're going to be more fee conscious than others. Some people maybe, um, let's, let's say they, they don't have a, any experience working with a financial advisor. Maybe they just have experience saving in a 401k or 403b. And they say, gosh, my, my, the costs of the 403b or 401k are extremely low. And then you've got to ask, well, 
what kind of uh, financial plan has the 401k custodian, what kind of advice have they offered for what you're paying? And the answer is nothing, right? So, okay, well, the, this is what this is what you get when you pay very, very little cost. Do you see that? And they go, yeah, we want more than that. Okay, well, and then you can start the conversation of, hey, this is kind of the industry standard or however you want to explain the your cost structure. Um, this is a for-profit business. We've got to get paid. And you also, I, I think, as, as a professional, as an ethical uh, advisor, whatever you do, be transparent about what things are going to cost. That's one of the things that just drives me crazy in this business is clients are either um, lied to or things are not disclosed what they actually cost. If people really knew what they were paying, I, I don't think they would stay at, at a lot of firms as long as they do. So. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think Brad's point is have some conviction about whatever your model is. If your model is discount, be discount and go after it. Market the heck out of it. I think it could work. It's not for me, but I think it could certainly work. And if you are a custom home builder, if you will, and this is your fee and be transparent about it. I mean, I'm, I have no problem pulling out my ADV and showing people what our fee is. It's it's very transparent. So. Let's pivot now to, Jim, I think, the second. Hey, Jim, before we pivot, I have a question. What you guys think of some of these? Since we're on the cost of the, of the discount, low fee structure competing on price, guys. I don't know if you'll know who I'm talking about, but, I, but there's a, there was a relatively large RIA, I don't know, back in the day that they were a low-cost um, investment advisor. I think they're 25 basis points. They bumped up a couple since then. And I don't want to call it a gotcha because I actually think that it's a pretty neat way to implement if you want to go with a low AUM fee and a way to make it economically feasible for the advisor. The guy was charging 25 basis points subject to like a minimum of a thousand bucks a quarter. And it was like, all right, cool. So it's the equivalent. I charge 1%. Uh, every household's at least 400 grand. Like, But you get to advertise that you're a low fee, 25 basis point advisor. I kind of thought that was an interesting business model. I'm curious if you guys have ever heard of it before and what you th might think of it. Yeah, I'm familiar with who you're who you're referring to, and uh, we will not name names in order to not get sued. Uh, but but at the end of the day, yeah, you know, I don't know. As long as you're transparent about pricing, I think it's fine. I, I never have a problem with whether somebody who undercharges or, in my opinion, overcharges, as long as they're transparent. Where it annoys me beyond belief is where people have baked in fees and, and variable annuities or REITs or whatever it else, or they're getting charged an advisory fee. For example, I met with a lady just a couple of days ago, you know, getting charged a 1% fee and her mutual fund expense ratios all in were about 1.2%. And this is on a $2 million portfolio. It, that's just obscene. So as long as you're transparent and people understand, go for it. But that, that's just my opinion. But when you start to try to hide fees, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that. Jim said something, and I, this may have been a while back, but but charge what what you think you're worth, it, and and that has kind of stuck with me. So if you think, hey, if you think you're only worth 50 bips or whatever it is, charge what you think. You know, hey, hey, I'm worth it. Um, and if a client ever questions, yeah, this is what we charge, and and we charge because we we think we're worth it. And if we didn't think we were worth it, we wouldn't charge that. If some other firm uh, is going to try to undercut us or whatever the case may be, well. That's what they think they're worth. It's kind of like the people that that bitch and moan, oh, I, I only make, you know, $16 an hour. Well, that's what you've agreed to say, hey, that's what my time is worth is $16 an hour. That's that you accepted the job, yeah. didn't you? That's that's a job you took, well, right? So so don't 
you know, uh, anyway, I digress. Yeah, no, good stuff, guys. We're going to pivot now to, to number two on our list is guilt. And people have guilt around charging fees for a lot of reasons. I've got to admit, people in a different generation or a generation below me look at the world in a different way. So a lot of people in their 20s or 30s, they think that people should get the services for free or or very inexpensively. And then there's the the other group of people that you know inherited mom or dad's or uncle's practices, and now they feel some guilt because they're making so much money and they feel like it's obscene how much money they make. They can obviously cut their fees and, and change their model. So they end up undercharging the marketplace because they feel guilty about the money that they're making. So this is always one that's kind of interesting to me, but I see it a lot. Have you guys ever witnessed this? Yeah, I'm probably guilty of this. Uh, I mean, I tell people, I, I tell people that I, I price every client and it's the truth. I price every client based on two things. I mean, how much money are we talking and what's the work involved? Am I going to say at times, do I just feel like, I, yeah, I, I probably undercharge a fair number of times. I never undercharge to win business. I never undercharge because they're paying, you know, one and a quarter and I come in at one, one or something like that. But sometimes, yes, I do look and just say, you are not going to be a lot of, I like you. You're not going to be a lot of work and I'm just not going to charge you a full boat. And I have no excuse for it. <laughs> I get it, though. You know, Fred and Betty come in and they have big pensions and they've got 500000 and a 401k that you're going to roll over and they're not going to touch it until they're 74. Realistically, there's not a ton of planning work. Jim, that has that's to go 80, in, and you know. that's 80% of my book. You know what I mean? My clients don't spend their money. So it's like a lot of them. And you know, you grow you to like a lot of them. It's like, yeah, you know, my contractor does it for me, too, by the way, I'm sure. You know I, mean, I mean, I'm going to yell at, I'm going to yell at you offline about this, but yeah, I get it. I get it completely. I, that, dude, that's okay. I blocked your number last Thanksgiving. <laughs> How about you, Greg? What do you see? Yeah. Do you see this out there? It's really, really interesting. Jim brought up a good point is, is how you entered the business. So I, I entered the business as a starving, literally starving advisor. So I, th there was nobody getting, getting undercharged. So I, I think that that's an interesting conversation of someone that, that maybe takes over a business, whether it was a uh, family member or something like that, and they say, "Gosh, I'm I'm doing well because I I walked into a, a gold mine here, and therefore, whether I charge somebody you know X percent or X or half of that, it doesn't it doesn't really matter." But I, I think what it comes down to is, what is it worth? And um, you know the the work that you do, and if if I guess if you're not if you're not proud of, of what you're doing, you know, as an industry as a whole, you know, kind of the standard 1%. And I know a lot of people are saying that that's going away. Um, but, uh, but in the back of my mind, if I'm charging somebody, at, you know, let's say 1%, I know I'm going to do the work. But in the, if I say, oh, gosh, I'm giving them a discount of a half a percent, I personally might not be inclined to do the level of work because I'm giving them a discount. It's like, hey, you can't expect... Um, you know, the gold standard, if you're paying for bronze pricing kind of thing. Well, and it's know, also, it's also annoying when that person who is paying for bronze pricing starts to become more of a headache over time. And you all of a sudden you realize like, oh, Fred and Martha, they're paying half a percent and they're calling like once a month. You deliver a different service model. So we all have inherent biasness in our brains, whether we want to admit it or not. It can influence that or change that over time. Brad, I cut you off. You were about to say something profound. You know, as Greg was talking about how how he got into the business and like, 
we pro- we have similar stories because I mean I started independent. I mean I was really 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 broke for several years, and I'm starting to wonder as Greg was talking like, is that why? Because like I mean, I didn't. I can tell you guys. I mean I I didn't make thirty thousand dollars for two like two for three years. Like I didn't crack the thirty thousand dollar net mark. Like I was bad, and it's like also the reason. But wait, so the reason for that was. I didn't even get my life and health licenses until like three years into the business because I wanted to build a fee-only book and like and do it my way, the way I would invest. And then as I grew as an advisor over time, I started to be like, okay, you know, I added other I added other aspects to my business, realizing not everyone was going to do things the way that I wanted to do them. But when I did, there was this joke with another guy in my office. I did like a 529 plan once for like. 15 grand. It was the first time I did commission business, which was like year four. And I got like, you know, 150 bucks to the grid or something like that on day one. I had never, three years in, I had never been used to being paid until a quarterly fee was billed. So, like, I hit, I got this commission. I was like, you hit the lottery, buddy. Yeah. So, like, I'm wondering if that also has something to do with why, like, I don't stress about this stuff. Like, I just put the dollars in the machine and roll on trust that we'll get paid someday because for a long time, that's how I lived. I think that's a good way to look at it. I think the other thing that people get off base on is that clients are not paying for the hours we spend with them. They're paying for the accumulated wisdom that we've, we've garnered over the last 15 or 20 years of working in the business. They're paying for the time you spent to get your CFP. They're paying for the, the time you did your training. They're not paying for the three hours. They're paying for that accumulated wisdom that you've accumulated over time. I heard a great story, and one of you guys might have told. I think Greg told me this story. You're not paying the guy operating your eyes for the 20 minute of eye surgery. You're paying him for like the the 12 or 20 years of experience behind it, so he doesn't make you blind. And until you get that conceptual idea knocked in your head, you're going to continuously undercharge if you're in that middle section, the guilty party out there, because the knowledge you have between your ears is so much deeper and wider than the average person, you help them avoid way more than that 1% you earn. All you have to do is look at the, the studies from Vanguard and some from some other industry rags that are out there around the value of an advisor, and it's, it's profound. So good stuff, guys. We're going to go to our last reason on the list why people undercharge, and I want to talk about how can we help them ultimately not undercharge and it's really because they don't know any better. They hear this, oh, 1%'s going away, or Betterment's doing it at a quarter bip, or Vanguard's at 33 bips or whatever it is. So they just price themselves in a position where they think it's fair, and they think they can win the business, and it just seems right. And then then they wake up like three years later, and they're like, oh, crap. Uh, I, I should have been charging a lot more, and now I'm costing myself in velocity $200,000, $300,000 a year. So- Let's help that person out that's out there, and hopefully we can help the other folks as well. You're sitting across the table, and somebody, ultimately, they're being way overcharged. How do we, um, how do we have that conversation with them so we can charge what, what we're worth and present the fact that they're probably being overcharged? Because the fact is, most people that come into my office, if I peel their onion back, and lo- as long as they're not in a big 401k, if they're with another advisor, I find that there's so much inefficiencies in overcharging going on. And that's probably the reason they come into the office. They inherently know it. But Greg, how do you handle that conversation? If somebody's being overcharged, how do you present it in a way that doesn't embarrass them? Yeah, I, I just start off by asking questions. And, and a lot of people, what I find is they don't know what they're what they're paying. 
because you know they may come in with a statement and hopefully it's an end of the year statement. And if, it, if it's an advisory account or something like that, you can see, okay, year to date, this is what they've paid in fees. And you can kind of show them, hey, do you see this costs or fees? And you can underline it or you know point to it and say, this is what you're paying. Um, and then kind of a lot of times they'll say, oh, I, I had no clue. Or if it's a statement that the fees are not disclosed, what I'll say is, um, do you think this investment firm is a nonprofit? And then they'll say, well, no, no. So you know there's there's going to be some kind of cost there. I, I think we can both agree there's there's going to be some cost. Yes, there are. Do you think you're, for what you're paying, do you think you're getting a good value? And where, and I ask them where they're falling, the, the current provider is falling short. So I want to know if they think they're getting a good return for the, the costs that they're paying. So kind of, I just kind of use it as a, a learning experience for them because uh, more times than not, they, they just don't know. And then you, and then I kind of go into, hey, this is how advisors get paid the three different ways and, and kind of, uh, you know, kind of take it from there. Brad, what about you? Differences there? Is it about the same? Um, I would say about the same. Not much different yeah. than Greg. And how do you handle that gracefully? So you're sitting across from the prospect and you realize all of a sudden they're being charged two and a quarter percent on an account that should be, you price it one or maybe one and a quarter all in. How do you say that in such a way where you're, where you're not embarrassing them? Because that's the, that's the challenge. You don't want to make people look foolish because they've been overpaying for eight years, but you do want to build a wedge. So what I'm, it, by the way, so when I say it, I follow a lot of what Greg said, I, I got to say that probably 75% of the time this conversation doesn't happen. I, I rarely get into a fee comparison conversation. So maybe that's something about the rest of the process. Uh, but how I do it, it, it's generally when I, when I, when, when any of us are, find that our fee, our, our all in fee is drastically lower than someone else's. What, what are we finding? Right. It's either going to be because they have an annuity with tons of buried fees. Right. Or it's because they have a bunch of actively managed funds in a wrap account or a C share. Right. So if I get into that conversation, which I usually don't, it's going to have something to do with, you know, with, Deficient market hypothesis, the reasoning for index funds, however you want to pitch it. And then I'm going to show it as it's not them that didn't know. It's their advisor that didn't know that they shouldn't be using active funds in this space or that space, which is why there's these excessive internal costs. Or actually, Jim, I feel like this is where if, if they're being overcharged in, a, in an annuity of some type, perhaps there's a really brilliant way to not offend them and let them know that they're being overcharged. But but maybe you want to share it with everyone. Sure. If it's in a mutual fund and it's in a wrap account, we, we just go to Yahoo Finance or Google and just take a look at their actively managed funds and write it on the board, right? I never tell the story. I never. I think you actually lose the conversation when you tell them what they're being charged. You need to show them or you need to have somebody else tell them. And if it's a variable annuity... This is the magic right here. I just, I call the company up. You just call these folks up and you just start asking questions. Get the client to vet you and give you permission to talk on the phone. And you go up to your board and you write M&E and writer. And you then you, at the very bottom of that, you write um, investment fee. And you tell them there's probably going to be three fees and let's, let's figure out what it is. And that little trick of letting the insurance company or Google or Yahoo tell the story will win you the business in a, in a big way because 
it's in, irrefutable. Like, people can't argue with it. It's not you against the advisor. It's just say, this is what you have and this is what you pay. Or, does that seem reasonable to you? And you let them tell you. It's magic. Yeah, it really is. And I think it goes back to the fact that, you know, I think Greg mentioned this earlier, but you charge what you're worth and how you value yourself. And I get that, you know, somebody with $2 million and they're, you're charging them 1%, they're paying you $20,000 a year. But I bet in a relative sense, you're bringing them $20,000 worth of value by having the asset allocation right, the financial planning, the tax loss harvesting, the withdrawal order, all the stuff you're going to do. Everything you're going to do, you're going because of their dollar amounts are so large, you're going to bring them the value. And and I just think you've got to go about it that way. Greg, for you, how do you feel about that? Am I, am I way off on this? No, no. You know, whatever it is, you, you have to kind of decide what, what you're worth exactly and saying, you know, putting that together, I'm going to do X, I'm going to do Y, I'm going to do Z. You know, for example, if we're doing Roth conversions at the end of the year where it makes sense and, and we're doing, you know, retirement income projections and, you know, this is a lot of freaking work. Like, I don't know how to... I don't know how to say this. So I don't have a problem charging what we do because, I mean, it's it's a hell of a lot of work. Now, if I wasn't doing this, and a lot of times new clients that come to us, I mean, they, they have not experienced, you know, really simple tax planning. Their advisor, previous provider had not even discussed you know, loss harvesting or Roth conversions or any of that kind of stuff. They they go or or QCDs. Just, like you know, you you meet people that like tithe and they're not doing QCDs. This is just insanity. Yeah, it, who it, are it's just and they're and they're charging the same thing. Most often they're they're charging the same thing we are. But the, but anyway, when you start having these conversations with people, yeah, it just gives you confidence that okay, if anything, I'm underpaid, right? Compared to what they comparatively speaking, right? C- compared to the industry, I think everybody on here is we undercharge. Yeah. Compared to what I see. Oh, so Brian, it's not you, just me? <laughs> no, here's the thing. I think each of you know this instinctively, that there's a there's not a hierarchy of advisors, but there's people that are more skilled in the business than others. Yeah. The thing that drives me crazy about our business is it's not like we're high-powered attorneys or, or the best surgeon in town where they're going to demand based upon their reputation what they make. We're pretty much like the industry is like 1%. Like you can be a little heavy. Heavier than that, you can be a little lower, but the average $1 million accounts paying 1%, whether that's with Brad or Chucky down the street who started six months ago. And Brad's experience is so far ahead old Chucky, but but the client doesn't know that. And you've got to tell them. Like you've got to be able to show your value and not feel guilty about it and do what you say you're going to do. And then you deliver that. And, and by the way, guess who gets to make the final decision? The client. Yeah. The marketplace, it's an amazing kind of thing, I think. Charles. 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 <laughs> yeah, sorry, Chucky. I don't know, guys. I, I just feel like as we look at the industry, um, undercutting the competition, undercharging what you're worth, you're just setting yourself up for making hundreds of thousands of dollars less and then ultimately not being able to build the infrastructure to serve your clients over time. And Brad, I kind of want to pivot just a little bit to go to a different topic because you you said this in an email, or not an email, but a chat we were doing earlier about the fact that now that you have your infrastructure dialed in, like amazing things are happening in your business that you you hadn't even thought of two years ago. Tell us about that. I mean, 
I think the, and I'm not there yet, but a drastic improvement. Um, I think what it, what I've noticed is over the years, I don't, now I don't have to have as many ideas that stay ideas. Having your, having the correct and an efficient infrastructure, the right team in place and the capacity um, allows you to put ideas into action much more quickly. And it's pretty damn awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you couldn't do that if you were undercharging, by the way, by half what your chart, you just wouldn't have the money to add infrastructure and staff and be able to yeah. support your clients and deliver, yeah. deliver the full service, which I mean, you know, half a percent to be able to make sure somebody doesn't make a 20% mistake. Yeah. It's a big I, deal. I was just going to say one of my favorites is some version of like, Hey, if you think 1% fee is a lot, imagine a 12% mistake. Yeah. It's a big so, deal. I, I had a client say to me not too long ago, well, the market goes up one or 2% a day and you're charging that in a year. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's exactly, that's the right way to look there at it. Go. One one of the ways I like to do it is take, uh, take the fee and divide by 12 and say, you know, every month you're being charged 0.08 or whatever the number is percent. And you hire me. And I, I always tell people like, you're not, this isn't a contract. We signed an advisory agreement. You're hiring me by the month. You, all you need to do is transfer your assets out. If you don't think I live up to my commitment, or I'm not providing the value that I say that we'll deliver along the way. And if we don't, you should fire me. Like right now, I don't want people that are unhappy working with me. So give it a shot. Charge what you're worth. But guys, this has been a, uh, a really fun conversation. I think, uh, I think folks out there have learned a lot. I hope they have at least. I want to kind of go around the horn here in a minute and get some final thoughts. But before I do that, I want to mention our Facebook group to the listeners and do me a favor, if you've not joined the Facebook group, we have a lively conversation and discussion out there. I'd enjoy, uh, enjoy connecting with you, as I know Brad and Greg would, and I'd encourage you to go out and search for the Financial Advisors Edge right in your Facebook app and look for groups, and you'll find us. Make sure you also leave us a five-star review. We do not want four-star, three-star, two-star, one-stars, only fives. Uh, remember, like your mom has said, if you can't say something nice, don't say it at all. But as we kind of go around the horn, Greg, take us out with some final thoughts, and we'll go over to to Brad. Yeah, I um, I, I would I would get in a habit of, of charging what you're worth from the beginning. And if you need to take some time, if you need to think about it, pray about it, however you make decisions, do it. Um, and and be confident. Um, and and I think that's that's the big thing that that confidence comes with time and experience, of course. And, and as you know, the longer you're in the business, I, for most people, the more confident they are that they can explain, hey, this is what we charge. This is why we charge. This is what you get. Um, but I, I never wanted to go back because it's kind of like, oh, you know, I've been I've been undercharging you. If, if you did undercharge from the beginning, then you got to go back to clients and say, hey, this is what this is what we now have to charge because, you know, of these changes. Um, and, and, you know, of course, you can do that. Um, but, but again, if you get it right in the beginning, then you never have to, to do that. Brad, final thoughts. I think my final thought is going to surprise at least Jim, but my final thought is I think that we, fees are talked about more by advisors than clients, and we probably give them more prominence in our discussion than they deserve, including this episode. I really don't, in my experience, clients and prospects, they, some do, absolutely, but for the most part, 
advisors are the ones talking about it. I'm going to add that. to that. Some of the, the clients that you want, <laughs> the ones that are so fee conscious because they, they are out there. I'm no Brad is, well, that's $200 a month, that, that fee. And, and those are the people you really don't want in my experience. But um, the people that the number one thing they want to know is what do you, what do you charge? I agree. Yeah, that's good stuff, guys. I'll kind of end on my thought of, and Greg mentioned this, is that if you undercharge in the beginning and then you realize you need to go back later on and adjust those fees, I've done it. I've done it twice. I've raised my fees, not to every client, but the ones we were undercharging. It can work. It's not super fun, but it's a uh, it's a business decision you have to make in order to run the business you want the way you want to run it. I have a hard time charging the same client basically two different fees. So for me, I like it to be scalable. I like client A and client B, if they have the same characteristics, to charge the same amount. And I would say that I, I like both of what Brad and Greg said, that we probably give this way too much thought. Price yourself appropriately and then don't undercharge along the way. But hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. This has been great. Big thank you for Greg and for Brad jumping on and taking the time today. Uh, we'll be back, well, next month. Thanks for listening to the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.